Hey folks, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning into Front Row Knowles and thanks to the Champions Club and Seminole Boosters for their longtime support of this podcast. By now you've seen or heard about the Boosters One Tribe campaign, which is annual membership to Seminole Boosters that helps fund the most vital needs of the FSU athletics program, including scholarships, academic support, and athletic training. I'll put this as simply as I can. If you're listening to this podcast, you care about FSU athletics and should be a booster. Many of you already are. Thank you. And I encourage you, if you're able, to increase your support. If you're not a member, you can join for as little as 70 bucks a year. Just go to boosters.fsu.edu to learn more. And now sit back, keep your seat, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle. Well, you know the drill. Enjoy the show. Here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Good day. We welcome you back to Front Row Knowles. Keith, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Tommy. How about yourself? I'm doing well, but not as well as Mike Norvell and staff are doing on the recruiting trail. I mean, they're they're well above, you know, on the scale that say moderately agree, strongly agree. They're they're all the way like top of the shelf. I mean, they can't do any better than what they're doing right now. Well, they got a bunch of five stars, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's five star recruits. They're just getting five stars in their efforts, which I think is great what, top five or number five program, at least as we are talking by one ranking. Uh, it's, it's been pretty amazing. It really has. We will dive into recruiting with uh, Charles Fishbein, who's a long-term, uh, long-time recruiting expert across uh, Florida and the whole college landscape and uh, works with the Osceola as well. So we'll, we'll get his impressions on, on what they've added. And more than that, just kind of the big picture, you know, how many teams when you're, and this is hard to say and fathom, but it's true when you're coming off three straight losing seasons, right, Keith? I think that's where we are. I believe that's uh, correct. Four subpar. How many can generate this kind of momentum? And so that's a topic posed to him. The other thing that's that's happening, Keith, is tomorrow is July 1st. And that means, frankly, the end of the college athletics world as we know it, right? Because NIL starts. I'm wondering, have you uh, put extra rations in your bunker have you buried the cash in the backyard? Are you ready for the end of the world as we know it? Well, certainly there'll be uh, seismic changes for the narrow spectrum of those that follow college uh, football. Now, I don't know that we'll see them all on July 1st, but I've read a couple of things. First of all, the NCAA doesn't have any guidelines to the schools and has basically said we're suspending all of our rules that would normally make an athlete ineligible uh, by accepting a quote unquote improper benefit. So they've just punted it. Number two. So stop there for a second, Keith. So what that means is that states that were out in front and Florida really drove law in turn, many other states did. Now the states that don't have a law on the books because there's no federal legislation, they basically are in a better situation because they can do whatever they want and just justify it as well. We're trying to make it work because there's There's certainly that possibility. If you go to Seminoles.com, you will see that some guidance has been published by Florida State as it relates to how to do this and a couple of do's and don'ts and uh, how you have to go about implementing it and et cetera, et cetera. The two biggest things that that jumped out at me when I reviewed it, we'll get into this a little greater uh, uh, as the show goes along, is number one, our international students and you and I've talked about the fact that our soccer ladies and 
you know, some of the golfers that are from overseas and maybe others, their visas don't allow them to do this. So how that gets worked out, I, I don't know. And then secondly, that fine line, you can hire an attorney. In fact, you're encouraged to hire an attorney and an agent, but that agent can't be for your professional prospects. It can only be for your ability to secure an advertising contract. And how is that fine line going to get walked? I don't know. But as we've talked about, you know, this is the wild, wild west in one sense. And uh, we'll just see what happens. Jeff Cameron has long advocated for the Jeff Cameron PR firm, right? Right. Should have the Block and Jones marketing arm, Keith, so that we can help student athletes uh, with these tough decisions. Well, you would be the one. You would be the one telling them what to do, and I would be the devil's advocate saying we can't do that, and we probably would cancel each other out. Well, more important than that, Keith, I'm the idea guy, and you'd be the one that would explain to them what 1099 income means, and you might want to put some away because when the tax man cometh, if, you, if you've already spent that 25%, you're still going to ask for it. And, and that that's works. part of the uh, caution in uh, the information that Florida State has put out to their intercollegiate athletes. Uh, there was another little thing in there that just struck me. Most people don't understand and, and don't appreciate simply because they don't know. But, you know, a lot of these kids get Pell grants in addition to their full cost of attendance. This affects your ability or could potentially affect your ability to get Pell grants. So if you were getting X number of dollars through your Pell grant and you accept an endorsement that gives you Y number of dollars and Y is less than X, you've actually lost money. You'll hear stories about that, I'm sure. All that's got to be ferreted out. That goes in the bucket that you like to refer to as unintended consequences. Yep, it does. Which it's, it's tough to, to paint that all on the bucket unless the bucket gets really big. <laughs> A lot of letters. <laughs> which, which it might be. Well, it does, Keith, just, just sticking with the uh, – we're all interested to see what this turns into. Like, every time I'm watching a college football game, and, and Trevor Lawrence is a bad example since he's in the pros right now. But am I going to see the biggest name in college football on my screen hawking whatever product he's selling? And more specifically, I'm interested to see who from Florida State lands deals and what's the monetary value. Because you're talking, if you're talking local or even regional around the state of Florida, Izzy Milton and Jordan Travis, are they getting $1,000 deals to go sign autographs somewhere? Are they getting $10,000 deals to do TV commercials that air statewide? I don't know what the price is. And there's going to be, again, the devil, devil's advocate side of me, uh, there is, at least in the Florida state language, uh, caution that the remuneration has to be consistent with the market. So if I show up at a car dealership as an athlete at Florida State and sign five autographs and get $50,000 and someone else shows up at a car dealership and signs 100 autographs and gets $1,000, how do you reconcile that? I don't know. Again, things to be learned. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Isn't it what the market will be, Keith? I mean, hoteliers, if they can get 600 bucks for a FSU home weekend, they charge it. And if I don't know, they got to lower their prices. I don't know. It makes for interesting conversation. Here's the more interesting part, Keith. As we reflect backward, think of all the athletes who've come through FSU. Now you can start with some of your teammates 
or we can go to the flashy and Dion. I don't think we'd come up with a better pitch man. The, the two people, the two names that come to mind for me who would have been slam dunks, made money hand over fist. I mean, Dion could have sold whatever. Obviously, we can insert the, the jewelry. I was thinking about the fact that, you know, he was in the 80s, and, and that's uh, he's a year older than me, I think. But the big deal at that time was calculator watches. I don't know if you remember that. This is before phones, and but you could actually do math on your calculator. Now, imagine Dion doing that commercial that he uses such and such brand watch to count all his money. I mean, Dion <laughs> back well, in the day. Say, but the, the, the other name, though, not as high profile, but still very high profile, was Gabby Reese. I mean, Gabby Reese walked away from her college athletic career because she had so many marketing and modeling opportunities. She had to give it up, whereas, you know, in this new era, she could continue to do that and, and be a supermodel and still play volleyball. Well, you, you mentioned Dion, and we had talked before we came on the air, and you'll have to be an old-school Tallahassean to appreciate this, but, you know, I can just see, hi, this is Dion Sanders from Moon Jewelers. If you want the best quality jewelry like I wear, go see our folks. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, Dion, you could have inserted him anywhere. I mean, there, there's others from over the years. Uh, not everybody would want to go here, but Jameis obviously could pitch some crab legs somewhere, I would think, if he had a sense of humor, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sebastian Janikowski back in the other day, uh, back, not the other day, but back in the day. Probably could have been a spokesperson for pick a vodka brand. I mean, we can go down this road and find all kinds of people. Now, I don't know. I haven't read the fine print. Can you actually, are we still in this, that they can't endorse gambling and alcohol? And things uh, that no I, college it, student would engage in. I think that's true. I know there's, I'd, I'd have to go back and reread it, but there's certainly cautions about doing that. Uh, there was even a caution about adult establishments or adult entertainment establishments. You know, you might not want to associate yourself with that. I'll leave that up to the athlete. You remember, so we're going old school. We got to get more recent than this. Jameis is at least from this this decade. But the point is, any of these guys uh, or women would have opportunities. But do you remember the Dan and Dave commercials? I think it was yes. when they were bidding for the decathlon. And one of them didn't even make the team, right? Right. That was Dan O'Brien didn't. But that was Casey Weldon and Brad Johnson back in the day in everything. And so now, granted, the Dan and Dave commercials came after Casey and Brad, but they could have done the same exact thing. There's all kinds of possibilities here. Well, and my teammates, Jimmy Jordan and Wally Woodham, were finishing that. In fact, at one point, they had a local commercial on where Wally says, um, well, Jimmy, I set the national passing record to my senior year at Lena High School. And Jimmy says, well, Wally, I broke your national passing record at my senior year the next year, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, there could be some tandems there. I wonder what Monk and I could have pitched. I'll have to give that some thought. Well, well, here's one again. It's not, it's not timely because we're not talking about a recent name, but 4th of July weekend is coming up. Can you imagine Dan Kendra <laughs> pitching fireworks or, or B signing autographs at one of the fireworks stands on the side of the road? I mean, He'd be retired right now. And again, our, again, our, this will be for our old time listeners, our older listeners, because uh, yeah, that that that's a good call. I forgot completely about that one. I, you, you got you got me on that one. <laughs> anyway, uh, as the show moves along, so the NIL does go into effect tomorrow. 
I said that too fast. So we've long had the NLI, which is the National Letter of Intent, but this is NIL, name, image, likeness, goes into effect tomorrow across the country. Every state that that has a policy or a law has a different set of rules, and the states that don't have laws, it's the wild, wild west. But Jim Curry, Senior Associate Athletics Director from Florida State in front of the program, is going to join us. I had uh, texted him earlier today, who's who's the expert on NIL that, that could come on the show? And he said, you're talking to him. And I said, well, how would you like to come on the show? And he said, honored. So we'll catch up with them and see where FSU is. And as I mentioned, Charles Fishbein from the Osceola, our uh, recruiting expert for this week, given how hot FSU has been on the trail, we will get to that. Uh, before we step aside, I'll remind you to uh, remember these digits, 894-4653. That's the golf club at Summerbrook. Make a tea time, go out and uh, work on the craft at their lighted driving range. Uh, student special on Wednesdays where you get uh, 18 holes and a cart, any tea time, a couple of beers, natural light beers, all for 25 bucks. That's out at the golf club at Summerbrook. We're just getting started. Stay with us. We'll come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, let's turn our attention to recruiting and Mike Norvell and company setting things on fire, it would appear, our Osceola Insider this week, Charles Fishbein. Fish has been a longtime recruiting guru in Florida and nationally and works with the Osceola as well. And he's kind enough to spend a few minutes with us right now as he joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Fish, how are you, sir? Doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on again. Yeah, yeah. Look forward to the conversation. Before, before we get specifics, just obviously Florida State fans are excited right now. And Keith and I are, are we're from the camp of we want to see it on the field on Saturday because we've seen guys that don't necessarily pan out. But as a starting point, when you're coming off a three and six season and three straight losing seasons, it gives some some proper context to maybe the significance of where FSU's class is right now, even though it's June, given the circumstances of the last few years. How significant is it? I think it's huge. Listen, at the end of the day, it comes down to who you recruit. Um, the, the coaches, I've always said, I think coaching is about 30 to 35% of it. And that's not a knock on coaching, but at the, you need the players. Uh, you know, when Florida State's had the best players, they've played for national championships. They played for ACC titles. And film doesn't lie. When you look at kids, you can tell the ones that are really elite. And those are the ones that Florida State needs. And they've done a very good job. They, they, I'm not going to say they kind of put last year's class on the back burner and, and uh, just attacked 2022, but they got such a late jump last year. And with COVID, they were able to focus on 2022 earlier than some of the other teams because they knew how important this class was for their future success as coaches at Florida State. Fish, some of the way that you do recruit obviously has changed. We talked about uh, on this show the, the open period in June that you might not have had. That's now closed. But you were mentioning before we came back on the air that there's some nuances within what the NCAA allows. For example, the ability to work out a kid on an unofficial visit, not just in a camp. Talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah, that's something that they added this year, and it's been huge. I mean, you go to all these camps now, and when they've had the unofficial visits, you'll see some of the coaches pull kids aside, and they're able to test them out, see if they are a fit to that school, because these coaches haven't seen these players in over a year and a half. And what was crazy was I've been doing this for 20 years. And, you know, you see these kids incrementally get bigger and you you don't really notice. It's like almost your kids. You don't notice your kids getting bigger and they just everybody's like, man, your kid grew. It happened in recruiting. I, I went to high schools this spring for the first time in over a year. And I was like, God, that kid got a lot bigger. So, and and then some kids got tapped out or they were maxed out and you're like, all right. So that was very important for these coaches to be able to get these kids back on campus. They haven't seen them in a year and a half. And then to be able to test them out and see what they are, can do physically and athletically. And I think the unofficial visit, the NCA, I'm wondering if that's here to stay because I think it'd be a very important component for these schools, because a lot of these kids go to summer camps and they show up in street clothes. They don't want to work out. And I think it's taken away from the camps because these kids get recruited. You want to see what these guys are able to do. Well, even if it's in shorts, you still want to be able to see what they can do physically. And if they're a match for what you do schematically on the football field. Before we dive into specifics, Fish, so what is FSU selling that is resonating? Because it's, it's not that they've been to the playoffs several straight years or that they're going to go this year. It appears to be just energy, enthusiasm, and genuine honesty or transparency based on what I see the commits talking about. What, what's I, resonating? I think opportunity. I mean, you could turn on that film, and I think these players sit there and go, you know what, I'm better than that kid that's starting right now at Florida State. Why should I not take a chance? And uh, a lot of these kids now want to start early. You look at the transfer portal. They're not patient. Well, Florida State can say, hey, listen, you could come here and start as a freshman or at least compete for a starting job. We're not going to promise you anything. But the old Pete Carroll approach at USC, he said, listen, if you're better than a senior and you're, you come in as a freshman, we're going to play you over that senior. And I think that they're giving the, they're creating opportunities for these players where maybe some of these other schools will have to wait a year or two and they see the opportunity of Florida State to start right away and make an impact in year one. Fish, has the importance of the transfer portal diminished, increased now that coaches have kind of gotten back into the swing of talking to the high school kids? How does that mesh? I I think the whole transfer portal thing will settle itself out. I mean, at the end of the day, the reason those kids are in the transfer portal is there a lot of them aren't playing and maybe they're just not good enough. Maybe the recruiting services missed on a lot of these guys that are highly rated kids and they go in and they're just, they're not good enough to play at these schools. So they jump in the portal thinking, Hey, you know what? We'll go in there and we'll have a chance at another school. But the one thing I looked up, I think out of 1700 kids last year that entered the portal, only three to 400 signed. So there's like 1400 guys that don't even have a place to go to this year. So is really the portal, the answer to these kids problems, or maybe should they just sit there, work harder, maybe be a little more patient and their time will come. Well, and hopefully it comes back at least to the middle on that. I do worry, though, because Keith and I have talked previously. You know, you look at guys that go early to the draft, and every year you hear about 95 of them didn't get drafted. And you wonder when that number is going to reduce, and yet every year it seems to go up. So I hope the same thing doesn't happen on the portal side. But related to uh, some of the, the guys that, that made the big splash over the weekend, I've never seen a fan base get so excited about signing five big uglies, if you will, three or, or getting commitments from five big uglies, three OL and two DL. 
who who's the best of the bunch or, or what impresses you about this group of five really that have committed in the last week or so to FSU? Well, you know, as well as I do, recruiting is most of fans like the skill guys, the flash. They like it's like the home run in baseball. Everybody likes the long ball. Uh, you know, these guys that are wide receivers, the running backs, the DBs, the guys that have a chance to make a play on every play. Those are the guys they love. But Florida State hasn't won the last couple of years because they haven't been strong in the trenches. I don't you, you could bring they've had talent on both sides of the ball to win more ball games than they have, but they've been weak on the offensive line. I feel like I've had this conversation with multiple people for like four or five years now about the old line. It's always like, well, they're not good this year. This is the worst old line they've ever, it just, you do not win without these guys. And this, I think Alex Atkins, the one thing that he's done that I think prior staffs did not do. And I think it's a mistake. You have to throw a wide net on the offensive line because there's five guys you need. It's not like a wide receiver. If you need one wide receiver, you could recruit two or three to land one. If you're going after offensive linemen and you have five positions, you have to go and throw a big net and throw it at 15 to 20 kids, and hopefully you pull four or five every year. I think, too, you have to balance your classes out where you pull these guys every year, not five one year, one the next, zero. And Florida State has done a poor job of that in prior years. That, that's why they're in the position they are. I think Coach Atkins has identified a lot of kids early this year. Um, I like the guy, these guys are big kids. They're not big kids that are sloppy. They're big kids that if they get in a college weight program and conditioning and they get themselves in college shape, they got guys that can be all conference type players. The one kid they took yesterday, uh, Antavius Woody, I don't, I didn't know a whole lot about him until I watched his highlight film. I think he's the best one they've got this year so far. Uh, and he's a true tackle, even though he's six, three, his athletic ability and length and what he brings, he gives them one of their first true tackles they've had probably since Rod Johnson was there, someone like Cam Irvin playing on the outside. Let's talk about that a little bit further. Obviously, Coach Atkins, Coach Norville have a body type they're interested in. What's the commonality with these, these offensive linemen in particular? I think the one thing with them that is so important is that they're on the same page with the offensive linemen. I always felt, and I, I hate to go back to Jimbo and Trickett, but I think Trickett liked one type of lineman more, maybe a little thinner, a little leaner that he could build up and was more athletic where Jimbo wanted that SEC big kid, you know, Hey, listen, we'll, we just want to maul people and the bigger they are, the better. And they had a different philosophy. And I think that's why the, at times they didn't recruit well in offensive line. I think, Coach Norvell and Atkins are on the same page. They want the same type of guys. You look at all the guys they've brought in, they all look similar. They're all about 6'4", 6'5", 320 pounds. You know, Charlton, the one kid's a little bigger, but these guys can all move. They could all bend. They're athletic, but they're big, strong, physical guys. They're going to move guys off the ball. I don't think any of these guys they brought in, you're going to see in the backfield getting pushed back into the quarterback's lap anymore. I, I think those days are done and you're going to see more success on the field because of the guys they're recruiting. So how does this momentum translate to other kids that are uncommitted right now but are thinking about FSU? Or, and I don't know what your thoughts were about Manny Diaz's comments, is it, uh, is it fake momentum, I think, is the term that he used. He didn't specifically say he was talking about Florida State, but that's what most perceived. Yeah, I was there when he made the comment after camp, and, and it struck me kind of – I thought it was kind of strange that he would say that, but – you know, I don't know if it's fake momentum. I mean, they're landing these kids, and at the end of the day, you have these these kids see that opportunity, like I talked about at Florida State. 
I think the coaches have done a very good job of identifying their kids early and getting on these guys. And, you know, these, these kids like attention, Florida state's giving them a ton of attention. You see when they come on campus, they make these kids feel like they're the most important kid, each one of them individually. When you see it, I mean, they're breaking their commitments with all the coaches there and they do this, they've done a good hype job, but this is what, recruiting's become these kids want to be loved and and this is part of the game now it used to not be like that but this is what you have to deal with now with the whole social media uh and these kids are basically uh promoting themselves every day fish we talked about the big guys there's a couple of five-star defensive backs that are amongst this group yeah i mean you go look hold on one second you go look at um sorry about this guys Sorry about Fish is, that. Fish is like coaches. He's got multiple cell phones and people yeah. are calling with scoops yeah. right now. I, I saw, I'm sorry about that. I, I thought I had my phone off. But, you know, you're, you look at the guys that they have, Travis Hunter, Sam McCall. These are, you know, five-star kids. What's amazing about Travis is here's a kid. I didn't know this. He's originally from Florida. But he – I've never – I don't think outside of like maybe Derwin James, he loves Florida State. And he's been – probably their best recruiter among the group of kids that they've recruited this year. And probably in the last five years, I mean, he's basically helping all the coaches on social media. He's promoting Florida state. He's become very close with a lot of these kids on the seven on seven circuit. That's how him and Sam McCall have gotten together. He's, he's involved with other kids that he's met. I know they're looking at a Kevin Coleman kid out of uh, Missouri, who's a five-star wide receiver. He's become very close to them and, Florida State's in the top two for uh, his signature. So, I mean, those guys, they've made a big impact in recruiting, but they got on those guys early, like I said, and they've helped the coaches help promote Florida State, which has been huge. Let me ask you about Travis a little deeper, and you referenced that, you know, some kids come to camp, they don't want to work out. I mean, every time I see a clip, it's more impressive than the previous clip, but more than the athleticism, He's a guy to me that doesn't need to be doing this, and yet he's going to every camp. And, I mean, and, and coaches used to say this about Derwin James. I remember Charles Kelly saying it. If you played a game at Walmart in the parking lot at 3 in the morning, Derwin James would have been the first guy there. And it seems like Hunter is just all in loving the sport that much. Is that accurate? I, I had a friend that used to uh, deal with Derwin James, and they would do a seven-on-seven. Seven. They would lose, and he'd t- have the bus stop on the way home, and he'd go work out. Like this kid – and and – Travis is the same type of guy. It doesn't matter. He wants to be great. And if there's a game playing and, or there's a camp and I like that, I I think today, the biggest issue I have, you see a lot of these kids and I went to Miami's camp. uh, They had this paradise camp where Manny made that comment. There was a lot of top 10 kids that showed up and they just show up in street clothes. And to me, that shows me either one, they don't want to compete. I, you don't give me this. Oh, you're going to get hurt or you're going to look bad. If you believe in your ability and you think you're one of the top players, you're going to go out there and dominate those camps. I don't care. The, 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 the difference between you and most of those kids at the camp aren't even in the same level because the top kids, there's only so many of them. You may bring 300 kids to a camp. You're going to be better than probably close to 250 of those kids. So why not go out and work out? If you're going to show up, and you're going to and be at that camp, then work out. And Travis is one of those guys. And that's why I think he should – that's how ranking should be. That's part of the evaluation. How much do you love the game? And I think that's the biggest thing 
where FSU's had the last few years, they've landed top end kids, but how much do a lot of these kids really love the game? When, when it comes down to uh, crunch time, are they going to give everything they have? And I think Travis Hunter is one of those guys that when the game's close and they have a game that's close, whether it's against Florida or Miami, he's going to be the one that makes a play. He's going to be the one that makes a difference maker play in that game where Florida State ends up coming on the winning, out on the winning side. Well, wait a minute now, Fish. That is just totally off the charts. You're saying that we got to get back to old-fashioned football? Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> hey, I like old I like old school style football where guys do love football, man. I it, there's too many of these prima donnas. You go to these camps. I, I saw a kid go to one of the camps a couple years ago, and he got beat twice, and the kid quit. And I'm like, you know what? I, I would never recruit that kid. I don't care how good he could be a five star. If a kid's going to quit at a camp, he's going to or quit in a game. He's going to quit when he goes to Florida State or one of these big schools. Hey, Fish, you, you just made Keith stay. He still got his leather helmet on the shelf behind him there. You can't see it. I mean, he's as old school as they come. Let's finish up on this, and this is just kind of crystal ball, see the future. You know, most people, I think, reasonable folks associated with Florida State, not in the program, media and whatnot, you know, they're somewhere thinking FSU can get to six or seven wins this year. And the way recruiting works, you're not going to keep everybody. So I imagine one of these kids will probably decommit. I mean, they had Nico Markiel a couple months ago. What, what does FSU have to do so they keep the majority of these kids in the class, do you think, as the season unfolds? I, I don't think record – it, it'd be great for them to win seven or eight ball games. I don't know if that's realistic. This team has a lot of young players on it. Uh, I don't know how talented or deep the team is. But they got to show improvement on the field. Like there's hope when you watch a game that they're just not getting run off the field. Like when they're playing Pittsburgh, where they're playing NC State – they got to win those games or make them competitive. When they play Notre Dame, yeah, you'd like to win the game, but if they come out and the game's 24 to 20, you close the gap. And then these kids feel like, all right, I'm the difference between them winning these games now. All right. And that's what happens is you're like, all right, we lost by four, but Travis Hunter is going to be the guy that gets us seven points on a pick six or a punt return. So you want to feel like when you're in these games this year that win or lose that you're competitive. It looks like the schemes that you're running guys want to play for. And like I said, that these kids, listen, the one thing about Florida kids, especially Florida kids, they will go anywhere in the country and they believe in their ability that they're going to help you turn that program around. That's just, it's the reason why Greg Shiano won at Rutgers. I've seen these guys turn around these programs uh, quickly, you've seen it at we. I spoke to Coach Allen from Indiana last week. They have 33 kids from the state of Florida, and he goes, "You know what? Those kids, the competitive nature, they want to win, and and losing's not an option. And and they don't care if your program's 0 and 11. Their confidence level is, hey, we come there, you're not going to be 0 and 11 anymore. And I think that that uh, the these guys that they're recruiting when they sit in the stands, they're not sitting there going, oh man, this team's terrible. They're thinking." I'm going to make this team a national championship caliber team. And that's why Florida state's been such a special program because these kids believe they could come in there. They've seen the success they've had. It's not like they didn't, they didn't win a national title 30 years ago. They just won in 2013. These kids believe they're the difference between Florida state being what they are now and getting back to that level. They once were. Charles Fishbein, excellent insight. Good to catch up. We need to have you on more often. Thanks for the insight. Anytime. Sorry about the phone. (laughs) Hey, hey, get back to business. It's what you do. Fish was the uh, founder of Elite Scouting Services, works with the Osceola. We appreciate it. 
encourage our listeners to subscribe to the Osceola, $6.95 a month. More info online at theosceola.com. We'll take a break, come back, and take about talk about those, uh, those three initials that are in everybody's mind right now, N-I-L. That's when we roll on. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Charles Fishbein, Florida State, with all kinds of momentum on the recruiting trail. And Maybe this is a good starting point for our next guest. We're going to talk NIL, which is name, image, likeness, and we're pleased to bring back to the show friend of program and senior associate athletics director at Florida State, Jim Curry. And uh, Jim, it's good to see you. This is this is the eve of the end of the college athletics world. That's how Keith and I started the show because NIL back tomorrow. But I am curious how much you know. Uh, you can talk in broad terms. How much has NIL been carved into these official visits and when recruits are coming in? And how much of a selling the topic of conversation has it been, uh, especially when you correlate it with all the success that the football program seems to be having based on verbal commitments right now? Yeah, um, thanks, Tom. Glad to be back with you guys. Uh, I'll tell you, it, it's clear to me that this has become a part of the conversation in the recruiting space. Uh, had the opportunity here after the dead period ended to, you know, speak to a few parents and, and prospects about this topic, and it's, it's certainly front of mind for them. Um, so, and, and we're getting that question across all sports too. So it's not just a football basketball thing. Um, this is, a, this is a topic du jour across all sports. Jim, one of the things that we mentioned in our first segment, I'll, I'll get this out of the way. There is a disconnect, however, with our international players still, correct? Their visas do not allow them to participate in this Coach K and the soccer team and some of the other sports have a, a, a number of international kids. Any movement, any thought when that might change or when you'll know a little clearer about what you can do? If yeah, anything? so, yeah, you know, that's a great point. There's, you know, kind of more broadly, there's so many unsettled elements of the of, of the NIL space right now. And, and we knew that going in. I mean, that was – critical to us as we were building the apex program and we'll probably touch on a little bit here shortly but um you know as it relates to international students that's an area of this that we identified pretty early on but have have really yet to kind of get our hands around and we know we're not alone in that either we've had a lot of conversation with our counterparts across the conference even across the country in some respects just to try to say hey are you interpreting this a different way Um, but it's clear that there are um, visa and immigration uh, issues here relative to our international students uh, in this NIL arena. What do you feel confident in, in terms of the parameters that will take place based on Florida's law when, when the calendar hits July 1? I mean, can you give us a basic understanding of how this works? Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that we've kind of said all along is that, you know, is any law perfect? No, no. But, you know, of all the state laws that we've had an opportunity to evaluate, we feel really good about um, the state law in Florida relative to others. It's, it's a very measured law. Um, you know, it clearly has got, I think, both sides or all sides of the issue 
kind of at least considered in, in its, its construct. Um, you know, we, we had a conversation a little bit here. I had a conversation this morning um, with some staff members, uh, just kind of an open Q&A session with them about this on the eve of it all. And, you know, it was pretty clear, at least to me from the law, which is helpful in, in discussing with our staff and coaches, is that it really positions the university at arm's length in both directions. You know, don't prohibit, don't impede, don't unduly restrict on the one hand, but on the flip side, don't be involved. Don't cause compensation, to use a phrase from the law. Don't be involved in directing um, compensation to go to prospects uh, and student and current student athletes. So it, it really, I think, you know, again, the, the, you know, it's uh, the devil's in the detail, of course, but, you know, I think it does a good job of laying out obligations of the university. Um, as I've kind of said to some of our folks here, it really puts a lot back on our student athletes, but, you know, this, again, to kind of cite the law is really intended to be an arrangement between the student athlete and an unaffiliated third party. Um, and so really helping to get them to understand what that means in terms of the amount of um, guidance, support, and resources we can provide uh, as we embark on this new space um, has been certainly a learning process for, for everyone, um, but uh, an important element of the law. Jim, if or when the National Congress passes something, so everybody's playing by the same set of whatever rules there are, what are your coaches asking about? What are you as an administrator worried about if you're competing for an athlete that's being recruited by a school that doesn't have a state law and can basically, based on what the NCAA has said, can do anything they want to, at least in the short term? Yeah, we think we, you know, that was something that kind of we discussed here is that, um, you know, with the way that they kind of settled that issue on, on the NCAA side here this week, um, it almost kind of seems like the schools that don't have state laws, um, you know, they, they may have a little bit more of a, of a flexibility and advantage there. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, what I would say is, and what I was, what I think has been helpful for us with having state laws, it's allowed us to have some really good, deep, robust conversation about this issue. And, and I've seen us do an evolution in our thinking on it too, over the past few months. Um, and, you know, as I hear from folks who are really reacting to this now in states that don't have a state law, it's clear to me that not all of them have um, really dove in as much as we have into what this can really look like in, in practice. And, um, and so I think that positions us a little bit better because I think we've just had a longer runway for us to evaluate all the different elements of this. And I keep saying to others, like, if you think you've got this figured out right now, then I'll, I'll, I'll call you, I'll call BS on it. Um, you know, th this is such a new space. Um, and, you know, I keep just kind of trying to comfort our staff and even our student athletes here that, you know, we're going to learn this together. Um, it's, it's a new world, um, but it's okay. Like, and we'll just, we'll just figure it out. Jim, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a series of scenarios here and see if you can guide me and I won't put names to it. So we'll just say it's Johnny Johnny high school, all American, you know, uh, I, I've seen on Twitter where some players have already reached out and they kind of have a statement that says, Hey, NIL goes in effect. If I can be of service to you, DM me, hit me up. So if I'm Johnny high school, all American, I can do whatever I want. I can hand out business cards to restaurants. I go to, I can post on social media. I can be proactive that way. 
That's a correct. correct. You're nodding your head. Correct. But this is radio, not yep. Zoom. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, what about? Can I, if I'm again, I'm a Florida State student athlete. Can I do a commercial where I'm wearing FSU gear or no? Because the university's not getting a cut. So how does that work? Can right. I can so, I have my uniform on? Yeah, use of marks has been a very central part of this conversation for from really the outset. Um, here's what I would say in that regard. Um, you know, we do have processes in place here at Florida State for any entity um, to be able to request use of marks in a particular activity. Um, it's it's hard to be it's hard to apply a blanket statement in every in every case. Um, but I guess based on precedent, um, you know, it seemed, and, and then also trying to continue to evaluate the application of the law and that causing compensation piece, you know, there are still some questions on our end about whether or not we could actually approve those requests for use of marks in these activities. And so really we've kind of just taken the approach of, you know, if that request comes through, let's evaluate it. But you know, it, it may be difficult in some cases for us to be able to approve the use of marks in conjunction with these activities. So what if I'm Johnny High School and I don't want to wear the uniform? Mm-hmm. Adidas approaches me and FSU is a Nike school. If I don't have the marks on, I can go do an ad for Adidas. So at this point in time, you know, we, we so we've re- so kind of back up a second. Our general approach to this, you know, throughout has been trying is really two things. One, let our student athletes try to operate in the same, to the extent possible uh, and reasonable to this in, in the same manner as general students. Um, and then secondly, let's try to be as least restrictive as we reasonably can be in this space. Um, and so, you know, when we look at activities that occur outside of our official team activities or department activities, when we look at activities that occur off campus, um, you know, those are, eva- in our view, those are evaluated differently than those that would occur on campus, you know, during official team activities or use of marks. And so an example like that, where, where, where someone's in their free time off campus, no use of marks, no affiliation with, with Florida State, we could see a, an example like that potentially be permissible. And one more, yeah, Keith, but, and I'll let you, I'll let you dive ahead, in after one ahead, more. Go ahead. Are, go ahead. Are there certain sectors that are prohibited, i.e. gambling, alcohol, things like that? Are those just a flat no if somebody approaches you with that? Uh, yeah, we've had a, we've spent a lot of time talking about that. Um, and we've done a little bit of an evolution on it, too. So kind of going back to our kind of guiding principles on this, um, trying to be as least restrictive as possible, trying to um, let our student athletes operate in the same manner to the extent we can as general students. Um, we feel confident that the state law allows us to be able to put some of these specific prohibitions in place. Um, And what we've elected to do instead is to um, just encourage them to evaluate the full effect of the brand partnerships that they enter into, um, irrespective of product category. But in particular, there's some that you need to be, you know, a little bit more conscious of and sensitive to, and that includes the gambling, sports wagering space, that includes, um, you know, adult entertainment and, and alcohol and tobacco and, and marijuana and those types of activities. And so, you know, in, instead of just saying outright prohibition on it, um, what we've instead taken the approach of is, is let's in, let's in, let's educate our student athletes, encourage them to fully evaluate those opportunities before they go into them. And if they elect to do that, then at this point in time, we're not prohibiting that activity. 
Um, and Jim, I think you can probably, one. sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you can probably sense a little bit that, um, you know, on some of these topics, particularly as we're talking about application or interpretation of law, there's, you know, there's a little bit of a hedge there. And, and, and I think that's intentional. You know, one thing that we've really tried to stress to our staff here is that, you know, we have an issue here that's sitting at the intersection of money and law. All right. And so that's a that's a little bit of a scary place to be when you're talking about questions and issues that can surface here. Um, and, and what I you know, while the law I kind of talked a little bit before the law kind of positions the university kind of arm's length in both directions. The thing that I think probably keeps me up the most on this issue is um, a coach or a staff member who, with the best of intentions, um, answers a question from a student athlete uh, related to this, whether it be interpretation, application of law, or related outcomes like taxes or contracts, um, and does so in a manner that may be inaccurate or, 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 um, or causes some type of detrimental um, reliance by the student athlete on that guidance, and they're not an attorney, right? So we've, we've really been kind of encouraging our staff and everybody in this space to just proceed a little bit with caution um, be, in, in terms of trying to interpret or apply this because, you know, again, it's a, it's, it's a, you're talking about interpreting law at this point in time. That leads into the next part, Jim, excuse me, uh, the education. You guys have some wonderful resources within Florida State with the Jim Moran Institute and, and that group, as well as bringing in outside help. Talk a little bit about what you did to try to get ahead of this in terms of educating these kids um, as they begin the thought process. Yeah, no, I appreciate that question. So I would tell you that the, the educational piece of this is something that we've been working on for really the better part of a year now. And, um, you know, a couple of things that we were trying to be mindful of as we were developing the education. The first is um, we've got these great academic programs across campus, and we'd probably be a little bit foolish if we didn't, you know, look to them to see if they wanted to be a part of this and, and lean on them for their expertise. And so, you know, we, we, we reached out to the Moran School, we reached out to College of Business Academic Center for Excellence, and they were just so eager to get involved and help. Um, and have now actually become part of our internal NIL task force that's evaluating um, our different programming and education related to this issue. Um, but from that was really the genesis of these two four credit classes that we developed. Um, and the first course was actually already a course that was in place. But um, this whole NIL issue really you know, kind of give us the opportunity to kind of re-examine that a little bit, retool it, and then fold in these academic partnerships across campus. And then the second course that we um, added was an upper division course, uh, and we just started offering that for the first time this summer. Um, and so one of the things that we've been really excited about as part of this is that not only do we have a plan, but we actually have a product here in programming that's already in place for our student athletes um, to educate them on these topics. Um, the other thing I would say about our, our education on this, and this is through the curriculum in those two courses, is that it really kind of couples very focused NIL education, you know, social media strategies and, and data analytics on, on metrics and fair market value assessment and things like that. Um, but it couples them with more broader, holistic student development programming. So, you know, leadership skills, time management, um, practical problem solving, you know, things like that. And, and really our approach in this whole thing was that, you know, the skills and strategies you need to be successful in NIL 
are really the same skills and strategies that you need to be successful in college and in life, and even vice versa. You know, this is a multifaceted issue. And so, you know, you, you need to be really broad um, and versatile to be successful here. So, you know, kind of some case in point, you know, we've used these examples with our student athletes. You know, if you're reckless and irresponsible with your social media, you're going to have a hard time securing NIL deals. At the same time, that may have a problem for you down the road and trying to secure or retain employment after college um, or time management skills like we talked about. Um, you know, I kind of always say, you know, they passed this law, but they didn't add any more hours to the day. It's still 24. And these kids already have pretty full plates to begin with. Right. And you're trying to excel ball. You're trying to excel at academics. You're trying to have a social life. And now you're trying to be, you know, active and maximize this NIL opportunity. And so you have to have great time management skills to be able to do all that well at a very high level. And so that same skill set you're going to need, you know, through all the other academic pursuits while you're in college, but also when you get out of school, whatever your chosen, you know, your chosen profession is. And so we've really tried to look at this very broadly, but also really hone in on those very focused NIL topics and bring it all together. All right, Jim, I'm back to Johnny High School. So I've got an opportunity. Do I have to fill out paperwork with you in the compliance office before we proceed? What's the process there? Yeah, so he talked about the state law a little bit and uh, the obligations on the student athlete. Um, the state law is very clear that you have to report and disclose your activities to the university. Um, the universities have an obligation to develop a process and communicate that. Um, we have done that. Um, we're going to, we talked about, um, I think as part of our APEX program, we were launched uh, or we released a partnership with Influencer. Influencer is a really powerful tool that does a lot of different things, but one of them is. Um, uh, handled the uh, reporting or kind of mechanize the reporting and disclosure element of this. And so um, our student athletes will report all their activities through that. And uh, I think the hard part in all of this is getting them to understand that not only is it these paid opportunities that are kind of in this more traditional cash for services, but the in-kind stuff, those type of, Hey, you're going to get 10% off or a, a, a free you know, goods and services in exchange for your NIL activities, even though there may not be a cash transaction, there's certainly a, a value associated with that and, and getting them to understand that that's an element that you have to report as well as part of these activities. So kids are encouraged, a- kids are encouraged to uh, contract with an agent, but this is a different agent. They still have to be registered, but this is not an agent that would uh, negotiate a professional uh, contract. This is an agent that would negotiate the NIL contract, correct? That's correct. So um, agents and attorneys are permitted in this space. Uh, the The law is pretty clear that your agents need to be licensed with the, the you know, the, the state agency, DBPR, in this case. Um, and then um, your attorneys need to be in good standing with the Florida Bar. So there's some, um, there is some prescription relative to that issue, uh, but but it very much is is in play. Uh, and uh, I think some of the early activity that we've seen, it's clear that we're seeing um, our student athletes partner with different third party entities um, to try to help uh, elevate or, or, or advance opportunities in this space. So we'll see some activity there for sure. So, Jim, that's where I was going next. I wasn't sure if you actually have formal requests yet or if everybody's waiting until the calendar reached July 1. But can you ballpark a percentage of FSU student athletes you think will dip their toe in the NIL space? And then a second part, 
whether you've seen it or you've heard about it, what's the most lucrative, for lack of a better term, or maybe that's the right term, compensation figure you've heard tossed about and you don't have to attach an FSU name to it right now. I'm just curious what that looks like. Yeah. So hard to kind of put a number to it at this point. I mean, you know, the one thing that, um, you know, we've been getting some different questions that would clearly suggest that they're working on some different opportunities come July one. And that's okay. I mean, that's what we want. Um, You know, I I think we're going to, so if, if you, you kind of talked about the different types of deals that could come about. I think if you look at the actual number and percentage of student athletes that actually have some type of NIL activity, I think it could be high, but when you start to, you know, kind of get into the detail of those deals and understand what they are, you know, I I do think you're going to see a lot of these, you know, you know, Hey, tweet this, you know, discount or, um, you know, free goods and service here and, and, those types of things. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of that activity, but I do think you're going to see some student athletes that have an opportunity to, um, uh, to, to have some real value in this. And I, and I think the real thing I'm interested in seeing is does it, how, how much of it comes in the form of cash? You know, we, we keep using that as an example, but, you know, I, you know, and I, and I, and I won't say the school, but um, you know, I'm, I'm, confident that there's some student athletes out there that uh, from talking to my counterparts that, you know, they may not get $50,000 from a car dealership, but they might be driving around in a $50,000 car for free. I mean, and so, you know, those are the types of things that I think you could see happen and they've got real value, obviously. Um, But uh, you know, how many actual cash deals um, we see, I'm kind of curious to see what that, what that looks like. Jim Curry, Senior Associate Athletics Director at FSU. We'll stop there, Jim. We could keep going. There's all these hypotheticals, uh, but it's a gray area, a lot to be interpreted. And uh, wild, wild west is Keith and I's term. Maybe it's not yours, but we're, whatever it is, it, it's, the clock is ticking. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's front of mind for sure. Um, I think we're ready. Um, feel really great about um, the work we've done over the last year to get to this point. And, you know, I think the thing that, um, you know, we can be really proud of not just as an athletics department, as at a university, is that um, this, this has really been a, a campus-wide effort um, to get us to this point where we've got a great program in place. We know um, that we're going to have that. That's we're going to have to continue to layer and evolve that um, program um, as we learn more about this space. But you know, I can't say enough about um, all this the synergy and coordination that we've been able to achieve on this in preparation for it. Um, again, not just through the department or, or some of the boosters, but throughout the entire university and our campus counterparts. Well, Jim, I want to applaud, uh, if I may. I know Tom and I are a little bit biased, uh, but I felt for sure when full cost of attendance came and you were starting to hand out cash and or checks that we were going to have all kinds of horror stories about that. And I think the education that you and the department did to get ahead of that eliminated or alleviated the bulk of that. And I want to applaud you for the stuff you've done to get ahead of this. I think this is a bigger issue, obviously. Maybe it doesn't affect every student athlete, but the potential uh, downside or the unintended consequence uh, is big. And, and I, I think you've done a remarkable job. I know there's work ahead, uh, but uh, for whatever it's worth, um, uh, job well done so far. Let's keep it up. Thank you. Appreciate you saying that. Thanks to Jim Curry. More Front Row Knowles right after this. 
Monroe Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. A lot of information crammed into Front Row Knowles today, Keith. We needed time will allow. I don't know if you can dissect Jim just uh, spewed over the last uh, 20 minutes or so, but general thoughts? General thoughts is the more questions you ask, the more questions get raised. And uh, if there's ever been the need to be flexible and fluid going forward, uh, it's now. Uh, but again, I go back to my old school overriding thing. Uh, finding ways, if there are, to protect the integrity of that locker room so you don't have those petty jealousies and, and kids getting mad at each other over things that are unrelated to playing time, workouts, academics, classroom, and coaches. Um, but you won't know what those are until you wade into them and uh, figure them out. And I would go back to all the focuses on the high dollar six and seven figure deals that the Heisman Trophy candidates or the All-Americans in football and the big sports, uh, the revenue generating sports may be afforded. But I think it's more about the everyday student athlete whose name you may not even know, but they've got a chance to pick up a few hundred extra bucks a month, whether it's signing on or conducting a clinic or an appearance fee, whatever it is. I think it's going to going to benefit a great that way. But I, I know this, though, Keith. I'm glad I'm not in charge of the paperwork. Let's just say that. I, will, uh, I may have mentioned previously, but was with a bunch of the boys I played with uh, two or three weeks ago, and we were talking about uh, pizzas. And I won't name the name because uh, they're not paying us anything. But one of the guys said, I still remember the phone number. <laughs> and so if you had the ability to tweet that you had gotten XYZ pizza and you can get all the pizzas you want two or three or four times a week, and all you got to do is take, as you mentioned, a photograph of it and send it out on a tweet. That's a good deal, even if no money is changing hands. I would suggest as we finish up, if there's any pizza parlors listening to the show right now and you've looked at Keith and I, you can see that we enjoy pizza. And I think a pizza sponsorship on Front Row Knowles would, would go over well. So I may even learn to tweet if there's pepperoni involved. <laughs> wow. All right. Let the record reflect. If we can get a pizza deal for pepperoni pizzas, Keith's going to get on Twitter. I'll believe. I said I might. I said I might tweet. I'll have to have somebody do it for me, but I might okay. tweet. Okay, that's true. That's true. All right, we'll do this again next week. I'll see you, Keith. Control.